welcome to the DJ Mark Flow Podcast. Come on. Hey yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to the DJ Mark Flow Podcast. Hey yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to the DJ Mark Flow Podcast. It's your boy DJ Mark Flow and we are about to kick off episode number six. This is crazy guys. I mean, I just had this idea to come up with a podcast and we're already on the sixth episode. How insane is that? So I have an amazing guest here today. Um, a really amazing young man. I've known him since he was a little kid and, you know, he's grown up to be this amazing young man. He's about to graduate from the Stevens Institute of Technology. Um, he's a fitness enthusiast. He's going to talk to us about, um, you know, his, his gym regimen. He's going to talk to us about his nutrition and, you know, and, and we're going to talk about a couple of subjects cause he's a big UFC fan. So you guys know that I'm a big UFC fan. So we're going to talk about that as well. So I'm really, really happy to have him here. He's almost like a nephew to me, guys. He's just such a good kid, such a, a good person, and I'm really happy to have him here. So Christian Barrientos, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I've seen a couple of your previous episodes, so I was dying to be a guest, and thanks for having me. Of course, of course. You know I got to have you on. So talk to me a little bit about Stevens Institute of Technology. Like, What are you majoring in? Uh, my major is business and technology. Uh, it's kind of broad, but there's two concentrations that I have. One's in information systems and the other's in finance. Okay. And what made you select those majors? Uh, I would say information systems was definitely my top choice. Uh, I love numbers. And since it's a tech school, it made sense. It's a computer-related major. Um, so that was my first choice. And then finance was kind of my, my uh, second option. Uh, my safer choice since I figured like everything really involves finance um, in the real world and most like the city jobs. It's not, it's not uh, a bad idea just to have a, like a finance background. So it's your safety net. Your yeah, safety net. definitely. So, and who, who's, whose idea was it to come up with, with the safety net concept? Was that you or mom and dad? Uh, that was, that was ma mainly my idea, but my parents agreed with this since I was kind of struggling in my computer science courses. That was my original choice. I hate coding. So I figured, um, let me try something else. And finance ended up working out. And when are you graduating? May of this year. So next month. Wow. Wow. How do you feel? Are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you like, what's, what, what emotions are you going through right now? A little bit of both. Um, I'm excited to finally be done with school because like just you get tired of classes. I mean, taking school like since elementary school to middle school to high school and then now college was like tw like 20 almost 20 years of school it's like enough's enough <laughs> you're, re you're ready you're yeah ready. i'm ready but then i'm kind of scared because the transition to the real world real world like a nine to five job and just that adjustment is going to be a bit tough for me but uh, hopefully i'll figure it out so you're going to go right into the workforce Yes, that's the goal. I'm applying right now to a bunch of positions, but yeah, right after school, uh, I want I want to get an entry level job. So what um what what process are you following in terms of applying for jobs? Are you like on LinkedIn? Uh, LinkedIn is definitely the main um, avenue that I use since there's a bunch of job postings on there, and that's the main one that professionals use. 
Um, I don't know if you've heard of Handshake before. No, I haven't. Um, it's my school is connected to that app, and that's where a lot of um corporations that are connected with Stevens Institute of Technology, the college I go to, um, they post job applications there, and a lot of Stevens students tend to apply through that uh, application. It's very user friendly, so it's it. um it's I like to use that more than LinkedIn, but obviously LinkedIn's more prevalent. Got it, got it, got it. But you do have a profile up on LinkedIn, yes? Yes, I have a profile. Okay. Guys, all all my my advertising people out there that I've worked with for so many years, if you need a young man that's very smart and has an amazing work ethic, I can tell you right here on this podcast, he has my full recommendation. Really intelligent, really smart, really good guy. Um, so you definitely want to um keep a lookout for Christian Barrientos. All right, so let's get into some fun stuff. So we're talking about fitness. So this is kind of funny, actually, because Christian, you know, like he, when I when I seen him since he was a little kid, and I, you know, I saw you when you were this skinny little kid, right? Like ten years old. Yeah, the nice yeah. nicest kid in the world. I mean, you and me, you and me, we became friends right away. You were, we got along great, right? Yeah. And um, we've always talked, and we've always had you know great conversations. You know, we've cracked jokes, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. um, and I've just seen you grow up into this amazing man. So, guys, you got to imagine how I used to I'm used to seeing him as this little kid. He walked in today. He's like a muscle man. He's got <laughs> the biceps, everything. I'm like, oh, snap. You know what I mean? UFC fighter just walked in. So um, so tell me a little bit. So because I'm sure actually I know there's a lot of people that want to do the same thing. They want to get in shape. Yeah, but it's easier said than done. Definitely. So let me ask you this question. What are your top tips for staying fit and healthy? Okay, I would say the big, the major part, right, is the commitment, right? So a lot of people, they'll start off saying, oh, I'm going to get jacked. Um, I'm going to go for like, like three hours a day and they'll do that. They'll do that for like a week. Right. And then they won't be able to keep it up. Right. So my one tip I would give is I don't like if I'm going to miss a day at the gym, I will not miss more than two days because that's when it becomes an issue and you don't want to go back. So I try to go five to six times a week. I know a lot of people aren't really able to go that much because they have a job. Uh, they have other commitments. But if you're able to go for like an hour, an hour like hour hourly sessions and you keep that commitment that you're going at least every other day or even more than that then it eventually becomes a routine and i've come to like it if you, the longer you do it the more you'll end up liking it and some days you'll feel like oh i don't want to go to the gym you'll feel lazy but those days you got to force yourself because keeping that commitment keeping that routine is more important than the actual in my opinion than the actual lifting itself because that's the first step and then you'll get better at it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. So it's kind of like you know what do, what do all trainers say whenever you watch the big boxing match that's going to come up, or what do they always say? It's the days you don't want to go that make the difference, right? So you know, and I think that's a good point. You you made a good distinction. You said you don't want to skip the gym for two more than two days. Yes, right. So I think that's a good piece of advice there because regardless of how many times you go to the gym, 
mm-hmm. regardless of what schedule a person can implement. Yes. They don't, you want to make sure you're not skipping the gym for two days in a row because then you're going to break the habit, right? Yeah. So, I mean, two days in a row is okay. But once you get to that third day, at least for me, that's, that's a big note. That's a big, big red flag because that's kind of when you start breaking that habit. And then that third day, like it could be on the fourth day, then the fifth day, and the sixth day, and it'll keep going and you'll end up stop going to the gym. You won't go as much. Um, I've seen like a lot of people who, They'll take like small breaks and they never end up going back. So Right, right. So it's going when you don't want to go. That really makes that big difference. Yes. And I, yeah, I would say like there's definitely times where I'm like tired, like long day of classes, um, had a couple clubs and I'm just like, I don't, I don't feel like going. Right. But I kind of force myself because after you go, that feeling of euphoria or in like those endorphins that you get from after the gym, that's like the best feeling. Yeah. That post-workout feeling, it feels so good. And you know, you know what I think is interesting and is a lot of people I personally believe don't go to the gym because the, the main reason is I don't have the time, you know, especially if you're like mom and dad, or especially if you're, um, or a student or like, you know, anyone that has or a demanding job or a long commute, like in my case, you know, go to work. It takes me two hours to get to work. So a lot of, um, you know, that, that, that is the biggest excuse. I don't have the time, but what I've learned and tell me if you agree, what I've learned is you, if you devote that hour to the gym, you'll actually find that your day will be more productive, not less productive, because you have more energy, you're more alert, you're more focused. Do you agree with that? Definitely. I think the benefits of going to the gym is are way beyond physical. Like mentally, it'll help you focus more at work. You'll feel better. Your self-esteem will be much higher. Um, and to your point about people not having time, um, I would say it's an adjustment in that you could you have to find a way to kind of work work around that. I found I've found that like most of the most of the stuff that I'm busy with is during the day, so I'll end up going to the gym in the evening or night, and that became a routine for me. I'll I'll dedicate like from say like six to seven thirty. That's when I'm going to the gym. Nothing's going to interrupt that. Nothing's going to interfere with that unless it's something like uh, like vital or super important. But if you it's good to dedicate a specific time and stay consistent with that time. Say if you go in the morning at 8 a.m., every do that every day if you can, because then it becomes a sim- something simple like brushing your teeth or um, eating breakfast in the morning. It's part of your routine. Right. It's part of your every day. Yeah. Like if I think another reason a lot of people don't go to the gym is they are their temperament for that day. They're in a bad mood. They just got into a fight with their wife. They just got into um, their boss just upset them or, you know, their commute took longer. They wound up being stuck in traffic for an extra hour or, you know, these are just reasons that, you know, are common, right? Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, regardless, if you got into a fight with somebody, you're upset about something or whatever's happening. If it's a if it's work, you're gonna get up and still go to work. 
because you got to go to work because you need to make that money, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you got to have that same investment in your health, right? Yes. Uh, I would say, um, for me at least, when I'm overwhelmed with uh, whether it be schoolwork, um, again, to a fight or I'm frustrated with something, the gym's like a release place for me. It's kind of like a place where I don't have to think about anything else. All I'm really focusing on is lifting weights and improving my health. Um, it's kind of like a, a physical therapy session, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I would say for those, for those people, like, I think it's just a great tool, the gym to just release like all your pent up emotions towards something good. And uh, I wanted to bring up a point because I think a lot of beginners struggle, like, especially when I first started, I was more self-conscious because I'm like, I don't know what to do at the gym. How do I start? You see all these muscular guys, muscular women, right. all knowing what they're doing. Um, and here I am, like this scrawny little kid who, like, you're just self-conscious, right? Am I doing the exercises correctly? Am I lifting enough weight? Right. Um, and that is where you have to be patient with yourself. Um, because in the beginning, yeah, I was that new guy. Um, I wasn't lifting as much as everyone else. I was the, one of the weaker guys there. But know that there's an end goal that you're going to keep improving, right? Um, like whether it be like one or two weeks, I saw myself improve by like, let's say like I, I benched like five or 10 pounds more. Um, and then you keep building on that. So if you stay consistent, you're obviously going to improve and you're going to be one of those top guys at the gym. You're going to know what you're doing. You're going you're gonna to know um, what you're doing. You're going to be lifting more and you're going to be feeling better by yourself. Um, it, uh, that's what I would say. No, I, people struggling. I, I I think that that's great advice because um it's not going to happen overnight. It's it's but also it's not really all about becoming you know Ronnie Coleman. It's not all yeah. about, you know it's about every like you said you made a great point, you know, it's about it's almost you it's about focus on you. Don't worry about everybody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like focus on on your goal. Are you better today than you were yesterday? You know, because I think a lot of people also get um, discouraged really quickly. You know, they yeah. mean, like, you know, you saw these other guys like that were like, you know, bodybuilders or whatever. And you, you know, you were like, all right, I'm just going to stay in my lane and I'm just going to stay focused and eventually I'll get to where I want to be. But I think there's a lot of people that see that and they're like, you know what, forget it. Yeah. Like, and I think the issue is really. Um, comparing yourself with others. Yes. Um, and that's just, a, that's a human thing, right? We're always going to compare ourselves with the person that we see next door. And I've gotten better with that in that I'm basically competing with myself. I want to better myself. Um, I'm, I feel I'm at a point where I'm locked at the gym and I'm just trying to become more efficient and just increase, um, like do better than, than, than what I did yesterday. Yeah, um, because when you start competing with others, that's when um, you kind of get in your own head, right? Because you're, you're never, um, you're not going to be everyone. You're not going to be better than everyone. You're trying to boost yourself. You're trying to improve your, upon yourself. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's really important. It's like, you know, this is you're doing. You're not doing this for your partner. You're not doing this, you know, so other people can say, "Oh, wow, you look great." You're doing this for you. Yeah. This is for your health. 
you know, so it really doesn't matter what other people say. I mean, it's a nice bonus, you know, when somebody says, oh, snap, you look great. You know what I mean? But you're not doing it for that person. Yeah. And I would say the main reason for me, and I, and I know like a lot of other people, a lot of uh, the one benefit that they'd say that the gym does, and my mom was not even, right, she's not doing it to look like like the most fit person in the world, right? She's doing right. it for her mental health. And that's the most important part, right? As someone I've struggled in the past, and I, I still struggle with it, anxiety and depression, mental health is becoming more prevalent today. Right. A lot of people are struggling with it. And I've found that the gym is one of the best things that you could do to kind of treat that. Um, it keeps you busy, number one, from your thoughts, from those negative thoughts. And secondly, the, like the, the chemical reaction in your brain, the, endor- yeah. the endorphins, the, um, what's the word, the serotonin, which is like that controls your, like the happy emotion in your brain. Right. Um, they all increase after you work out or while you're working out. So it'll make you feel better. Um, and it'll reduce those symptoms of anxiety and depression. That's what I found um, in my experience at the gym. No, I think I think I think that is you just touched on a really really important topic. You know, the anxiety and depression. And I think that for some reason it's a subject that nobody talks about, but it's a subject we should be talking about. Yeah, because the reality is, everyone experiences that. We Mm -hmm. all experience anxiety. We all experience depression. It's part of being human. You know what I mean? Some of us, it's more extreme. But I think you have to embrace that. And I think you raise a good point because I think a lot of people, when they are feeling anxious or they are feeling down, what magnifies that feeling is they think it's them. Anything, everybody else is just perfect. perfect and they never have a worry, but little do they know that person is maybe even more depressed. Everyone's, everyone has their own issues. Yeah. And I know this is a different topic from the gym, right? But I think mental health is, is a very important to- topic to talk about because when I first started getting anxiety um, and depression, like during middle school, I thought like you said before, I thought I was the only one that experienced this. I'm like, right. there's, there's a problem with me. Right. Right. And no one else, like everyone else is perfect. Everyone else is acting normal, but I'm not. And I was, I was embarrassed about it. And I really struggled um, with it. And throughout the years, I've, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at dealing with it. And it's still something that I'm going to continue improving upon. The gym is just one way to kind of deal with it. But there's, there's a bunch of other ways, whether it's reading a book, um, going for a walk. Like I love walking my dogs because it gives me a chance to go outside, get the get the the sunlight on your skin. Yeah. Um, I w- and I would say for anxiety and depression, another tip I would say: a lot of people hate, like like to stay inside, right? Whether they be working or they just want to be lying down, they want to be lying down in bed. But you should at least be going out for like thirty minutes to an hour a day like the the benefits of that like i love just getting that breath of fresh air and just like walking around seeing like the neighborhood like the the benefits mentally are just insane yeah i think i think that you know i think that's a great point 
I think that's a great point because, you know, I was, I don't know if you've heard of it. I was doing that, the Noom. Have you heard of the Noom app? I haven't, no. It's like, it's like this app you subscribe and they tell you how to eat and they, they put the food in different categories. Like, oh, so it's like my, kind of like MyFitnessPal? Kind of, kind of. But like, it's done by like psychologists. Okay. So it's more mental focused and strategic in that sense. Um, but, um, they, one of the requirements is to do a specific amount of steps. Yeah. Right. So I would do that, you know, when it's nice weather, I would go for the, a walk. Right. And I would try to get 5,000 steps in a day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right as you're walking and just being outside and just feeling the air and just seeing other people that are walking and you kind of give each other that nod like hey yeah. hey man what's up and it kind of <laughs> <laughs> and it gives you a distraction um from like your real life worries right it's just like a it's a time where you could just focus on something else like the birds flying in the sky um like the dogs walking by yeah like just nature in general i love nature so i just I think it's just a good distraction from your worries. Yeah. No, so I, I think I think the point to take here, guys, is if you have moments where you're feeling anxious, you know, another word for anxiety is uncertain, right? Or maybe even a little fearful of something, of what's going to happen, you know what I mean? Or if you're feeling um, depressed or down or maybe like life isn't going that particular day the way that you want it to go remember you are not alone and don't look on your instagram and your facebooks and see everybody with their perfect lives and go oh my gosh nobody else has problems they all have problems but we post our happy moments you know what i mean everybody's posting their good moments because those are the moments we choose to remember because those are the moments that give us hope so remember everyone has those feelings everyone has those moments you're human yeah and i was just to your point about the social media right how it seems like everyone's profile is perfect right because like you said they're posting only happy moments happy moments no one wants to post when they're sad when they're overwhelmed when they're depressed no one's going to show you that that's a lot of people like to internalize that um in the past i've been more private about it but as i've gotten older i've I found that it's not something to be embarrassed about some as someone who struggles with mental health. Um, it's just a part of who I am and it's, it's something that you work to um, alleviate or uh, just improve upon. It's a lot of people go through this. It's um, like uh, Mark said, uh, you're not alone. There's millions of people in the world who go through the same thing. So. Yeah. It's, it's everyone. And the, 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 the distinction here, guys, is not, um, oh, that person doesn't have those moments. No. Some folks just know how to hide it better than other folks. But exactly. we all have those moments. If you don't, you're a robot. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those moments, you know, and it's part of the human experience, you know. So, so don't be so hard on yourself. And remember, it's all part of the journey. It's all part of the growing process of becoming the person you're intended to be. Yeah. And you'd be surprised at like how many celebrities and athletes go through that type of stuff. A bunch of athletes now are coming out with um, 
like mental health, like they're being more um, vocal about the issues that they're dealing with. Uh, I don't know if um, you're a big basketball fan, Mark, but you, yeah. uh, have you heard of Giannis Antetokounmpo? The, he's one of the big stars in the NBA. He almost retired in 2020 because of mental health. And I he's didn't one know the, that. Oh, he, wow. He's one of the top five players in the world. In my opinion, he's the, t- he's the best player in the world right now. But in 2020, he said that the pressure, the expectations, and um, like of being one of the best players in the world, it just it got to him, and he he didn't know how to manage, it and he he very nearly quit basketball. Wow. Yeah, I know a lot of celebrities being in front of the camera all the time. They have to appear perfect, and that's not how life is. Like no human's perfect. Right. All the singers you look up to, and all the um actors and actresses and all that stuff for you know they're more depressed than you are yeah it's not that life is not as um like it doesn't have as much sunshine and rainbows as as you would think it does because they're constantly in the public public eye um they really have no time to their self like every time they leave their house there's cameras on them so yeah i i would hate to have that that type of life. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, and I, I know a lot of people say, well, that's the cost of being famous. I think it's easy to say that when you're not famous. You know what I mean? I think that if I was famous, I'd like to think that I'd be like Keanu. Keanu's like so good to everyone he meets. He's like such a good guy. Um, you know, but yeah, that's, that's rough. What you think about this? I, I try to think about this in this perspective. You know, sometimes they'll they'll see a celebrity and they'll take a picture of the celebrity and the celebrity has a face, right? Or the celebrity's like, ah, can you leave me alone, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, that celebrity's a jerk, blah, 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 right? But put yourself in that position. Let's say that you just got into a fight with your partner and you're furious or you just had a bad meeting at work and you're very upset. And you just need to get outside to get some air. And then somebody puts a camera in your face. You might not be the nicest person either. Yeah. Are you going to, you're not going to have a smile on your face. You're not going to give them a hug. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I try to put myself in other people's shoes. I mean, I'm not famous like that. You know what I mean? Where, you know, I don't have paparazzis trying to take pictures of me. So I don't know what that is, but I could imagine if I, because, you know, because think about, think about it like this. Here's a good way to think about it. You're ever having a really bad day where everything is going wrong. Yeah. And somebody calls you and you know that person is going to talk to you for a long time and you look at the phone and you're like, oh, I can't do this right now. That's yeah. just a phone call. Could you imagine cameras in your face? Yeah. Oh my God. I can't even imagine because I, I feel like privacy is important to most people. Like, yeah. Like there's stuff that you want to that you don't want the public to know. Um, and if you're having a bad day, you're not going to be nice. Like, like a lot of these celebrities, is like you can't blame them. They're not going to be the nicest people because they're having a tough time. Right. Or something. You know, and some of them may not be the nicest people in the world, but, you know, I don't know any of them personally, so I don't know. But but the 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 thing to remember is that everyone has bad days. Everyone has. and. For a lot of people, there's more bad days than there are good, but you hold on to the good days. You know what I mean? You cherish the good days, you know, and you'd be surprised that once you cut yourself a break 
and you start to understand, oh, this is normal. This is part of the human experience. It'll it'll get easier. And one thing that I one thing that I I've learned because I you know I have anxiety too. Sometimes when I have anxiety, I've learned when I don't feed it. You know what I mean? When I just if I have like a a worried thought, yeah. If I just be like, huh, well that would suck. But then I just don't give it any energy or any any of my attention, and I try to focus on something else. The worry goes away. Yeah, and what I like to what I like to to do when I get like a negative thought is just think about. I'll think about what's the worst thing that could happen, and when you think about that, and you're like, and you, you think it through. You're like. If that happens, that's not the worst thing in the world, right? right? Th- that worst consequence, and that worst consequence is probably not even going to happen. Like the chance of that happening, probably like right, like very low. So if you kind of think of it like that, and don't constantly feed that worry, like you were saying, with oh, it's gonna, it, this is gonna get worse. Oh, I'm not. I'll use a presentation as, as an example, right? Because um, I've gotten better with it, um, but in the past, I used to get so nervous for like the day before presentation, like I couldn't sleep. Uh, at night and i would th- that now today i think i'm i'm thinking i'm like if if i bomb this presentation right are these people going to remember it a week in the future no right. probably not right and, and 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 a month later they'll probably forget there was even a presentation exactly yeah so like just just trying to like rationalize those negative thoughts is um like really important. It's something I'm still working on. Um, but yeah, I would say just, just kind of just, just think about that negative thought for a second, and like what, just think about what's the worst thing that could happen. And usually that, that worst thing is not that bad. Like yeah. There's, there's and, people's, and if you think about it, anxiety, and not understanding it for what it is, is, um. One of the things that keeps people from achieving their personal greatness or their personal goal, because they're so focused on these fears that they don't just go for what they really want. They talk themselves out of it. So it's kind of like, I think, I think, and those thoughts you're talking about, those negative thoughts, you know, I think the official term is intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Right. It's, it's part of. Like I said before, being human, intrusive thoughts are thoughts that are going to happen. You can never control every thought that's going to come into your brain. You can't. It's impossible. And if you tried, you would be mentally exhausted. You're going to have negative thoughts. It's going to happen. There's nothing you can do about that. Accept it. It's going to happen. But as long as you don't believe that that thought is real, it has no power. Yeah. And like you were saying that it's it's human nature, right? Because sometimes these negative thoughts aren't that bad. Like you go back to like when people were cavemen, right? They needed those negative thoughts. Like, for example, there's like a bear that's yeah. going to attack them. And they're like, oh, if they attack me, I'm going to die. So they got to run away from the bear. So like those negative thoughts are sometimes helpful and like kind of saving you from like dangerous situations. That's why we have them. That's why. Um, they're there. But yeah, there's like a specific part of the brain that triggers you 
I forgot what the, part of it is, but there's is a, it the fight or flight response. It's right. like a part of the brain. Um, it triggers you to tell you to tell you you're in danger. You know what I mean? But yeah. because I think it was more for like the primitive primitive yeah. aspect of being human. Now sometimes that fear it, is not it relevant. becomes too much, and right, it, it's like it it becomes a cycle of negative thoughts, right? That you kind of just don't need. And intrusive negative thoughts are going to happen. We all get them. Anyone who tells you they don't get them, they're lying to you. Everyone gets them. So you just get the thought, dismiss it as silly, and you keep moving. Because it yeah. is just a silly thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, yeah. And just stay, like my mom tells me all the time, right? To just stay positive. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, um, I guess I'll go back to the presentation example, right? Um, so my worry, right, is that I'm going to do bad in the presentation, right? And people are going to, right? People are going to laugh at you or, or be like, oh, well, what is he doing up there? And from presentations of the past, has that happened? No, that's that's never happened, right? So, like, what are the chances that this one's going to turn out like that if you're prepared and and everything? So, just thinking that, hey, you're going to kill this presentation can do a lot. As corny as it sounds, it can do a lot for your brain. Um, if you just tell if you just tell yourself you're gonna do you're gonna do good or you're doing a good job right now, even preparing for it, um, just staying in that mindset is very important. Right, right. And if you're prepared, you got to remember you're presenting it, so you're gonna know that material better than anybody else in that audience. Yeah. So, what is there? To, yeah, what is there to worry about if if you know what to say if you've practiced? Um, and if you get that question, let's say somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to. You know, everyone that I know that is very good at presenting, you know, the advice that they've given me over the years, multiple people that I've worked with um, that have given me advice, they they always say, you know, if you get hit with a question you don't know the answer to, it's not the end of the world. You just say, you know what? That's a great question. I'm going to look into that and and I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll email you some information on that. Exactly. Like, yeah. what, what's the worst that could happen? They're going to kick you out of the room. They're going <laughs> to you know, fire you from your job. You're not a computer. You're, yeah, exactly. Again, you're not a robot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And those people know that. Like, the person asking the question, there's questions that they don't know the answer to. Like, not yeah. everyone has all the answers. So, and just one more thing. Um, I'm going to use another example, right? My mom, she gets nervous for big presentations to like the ceo um the like a director like these top people in in the corporation and one thing i was telling her right because she was really nervous about it and it was coming up i'm like those are human beings right those like that person is not like bet like above you in any way they're they're mm -hmm. a normal person that experiences emotions they make mistakes mm -hmm. they're they're not gonna like bite you they're not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna like be like like super cruel to you like and if they are uncool in that situation and do act like that then i would be more concerned for them because they have a bigger issue than you do you know yeah. what i mean because and, that's not that's not normal behavior and who would care and let's say the presentation goes bad and like you said they're like they're like rude or um not the nicest person in the world who cares about their opinion the people that should matter are those closest to you in your inner circle, right? Yep. Your your family, your close friends. 
Those the, are the opinions that should matter. The people that believe in you. Yeah, because those people are always going to stay. You're not going to see that CEO all the time. That's probably like a once in, in a lot. In a, right. But, um, but also, let's flip it on the other side. Maybe that CEO will be like, that was a phenomenal job. I like that young man. That young man has promise. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, it's like you just, the main thing is, you know, like uh, my boss at my current job, she gives me great advice. And, you know, one thing she always says is always do your due diligence. So it's like, as long as you do your due diligence and you focus and you're giving 110%, no one can ask any more of you. Exactly. Yeah. And you can't ask any more of yourself if, if you're doing everything that's necessary. You just tell yourself, I did the best I could. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And honestly, if you do the best you could, it's going to be phenomenal. It's, yeah. It usually is it's going to most <laughs> it's of the time usually, end up good. <laughs> it's usually an outstanding yeah. experience. You know what I mean? Um, all right. So I, I, think, I think that was some really, really great advice. So let me ask you a question. So another big, so talking about health and fitness and talking about mental health and, and all these things and controlling, you know, what thoughts you give your energy to and all this stuff that we're talking about, a big component of that is sleep. Yes. So how many hours of sleep do you get a night? Um, I would say I, at least most of the time I get eight hours. Um, the the average amount that they say is good for like everyone is seven to nine yeah so if you stay in that range you're typically good um and i always try to get in between that because when i don't when i get like below seven hours i kind of get i get a little cranky um and then like oh, I, so you I need lose, seven hours i need that seven hours yeah and um i kind of make sure i get it that's like vital for me because i know when i don't get enough sleep I get lazy. I don't focus well and my mood is not the best. And I know a lot of people struggle with that since they don't have time or they just yeah. they're on their phone at night, which is a bad habit that I have too. Like when you're on your phone the whole night, that that blue light that it emits affects your sleep. Oh yeah. Don't they say that you're supposed to um when you go to bed you should shut off the television, you should shut off all the lights close the curtains i mean you can even get like those blackout curtains yeah so like you know so it to block out the light yeah yeah to block out any light whatsoever um and i think they say because that goes back to hold the whole um circadian rhythms yeah you know i mean like in the primitive human you know when it was light outside that's when we would go out and do our thing and when it was dark we would go to sleep and we would stop eating and stuff like that, right? Yeah, your body has an internal clock that um, that it naturally should follow. So, um, and this is kind of similar for everyone. Everyone has the sim- a similar uh, internal clock, like you were saying. Um, at night, you're supposed to sleep. And in the day, that's when you wake up. And once you start messing with that, like once you start going to bed at like, like four, 3, 4 a.m., that yeah. throws off your body's rhythm since it's that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be going to bed at like 12 p.m., maybe 1 a.m. the latest, and then waking up at 8 a.m., 9 a.m. Right, right, right. See, for me, though, I wouldn't be able to do that because I got to be up at like 
six o'clock in the morning because yeah. I've got to go into the city. So for me, I would have to go to bed at like 10, 11. Yeah. Like yeah. earlier. Yeah. So if I was being really disciplined, I would go to bed at like eight o'clock, but who's going to do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what time, what time do, you usually, do you usually go to bed? Honestly, um, I've been going to bed like around nine thirty ish. Okay. Right. And the reason for that is because my body just shuts off. Like, you know, like your, your family always jokes with me about that. Right. <laughs> so, so, um, Christian's, um, dad, what's up, George Christian's dad is hilarious. And he's always, you, when we used to all hang out a lot, he used to bust my chops a lot because I have a tendency to always fall asleep when we're watching like a movie, right? Yeah. Green Lantern yeah. is a movie that comes to mind. Yeah, so Green Lantern, they put our Green Lantern, right? And I think anybody knows me, I'm always trying to be a good sport, right? Yeah. So I was exhausted, but they wanted to watch Green Lantern. So they put on Green Lantern. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's watch Green Lantern. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it, right? That movie started. And as you guys know, Green Lantern is not the best movie in the world. So when that movie went on, I think, I think in like the intro credits, I fell asleep, right? Yeah. Throughout the whole movie, this uh, Mark Mark's asleep for the whole two was, hours, most of it. I was, and out. then at the very end, when the credits are rolling out, all of a sudden you hear a scream: "Go Green Lantern!" <laughs> because and because <laughs> I woke up and I had realized I fell asleep, but I didn't know if anybody noticed. And me trying to be a good sport, I was just like, "Yeah, go Green Lantern." <laughs> We're all confused because we knew he, he fell asleep for that whole movie and yeah. had no idea yeah. what happened. They all gave me a look like, man, we saw you sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was hilarious. So that's, you know, so it's true. Like, so like at 930-ish, bro, I'm like. Your body just shuts down. My body's like, bro, it's time to sleep. Unless it's like Saturday night. Yeah. You know, a Friday night. I think what it is is that I'm thinking about, oh, I got to get up early tomorrow. I got to get on that train tomorrow and subconsciously I'm just shutting down. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I hate because like when I can't fall asleep, I'll often like wake up and look at the clock. I'm like, Oh, I only got like four hours left. I got to get up. And, uh, yeah, that's good that your body just instantly shuts down. <laughs> Mine doesn't, I guess, because I'm always on my phone. When I'm in bed and that keeps me up. So are you one of those folks that I've, I've seen people post these things. It's kind of hilarious. They're like, it's four o'clock in the morning. I have to work at six. Why am I still up? <laughs> yeah, I, I am one of those people. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, I don't have a job right now, but when I get one, I'm going to have to get that sorted out because uh, going to three, it's about like 3 a.m. having to wake up at 8 a.m. That's not the smartest thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as long as you show up and as long as you do your job, that's yeah, what it matters. As long as you could, you could function. And you will because you're super responsible. I mean, but but the thing is... um. I think I think sleep is so important, but I think sleep is also it goes back to what we were talking about before when we were saying that people don't go to the gym because I don't have the time. And it's almost like that's the same thing. It's like you don't want to go to sleep because that's your like time for yourself. And the minute you go to sleep, you're like, ah, oh, back to responsibilities. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's why I'm always I would say in bed, I'm always on my phone is like, I feel like that's my time where I could just relax, watch YouTube videos. That's your you time. You know what I yeah, mean? You just exactly. you know, chill out and, and you're like, damn, going to get cut short. 
yeah and that's a tough that's a very tough habit to break especially for like the majority of the population who has like nine to five jobs and yeah that's like their only time to themselves yeah yeah think about this think about this i travel to work right i leave here at like six o'clock in the morning right i get to work like around um between nine and nine thirty depending on the day right um and I get to work. I work a full day to like six o'clock and six o'clock, something like that, right? Then I leave work and I have to travel for two more hours to get back home. Yeah. So I get back home. It's usually between eight, 8.30 ish, depending on how the commute went. So then I come home. I make some dinner, cook, you know, get some food going, eat. Now it's like 9.30. Yeah, it's getting late. And I'm like, damn, I got to go to sleep because I got to do this all over again tomorrow. You know what I mean? I'm not complaining. It's a blessing to have a job. But my but my thing is, my thing is, is like, I think that that's why people struggle with sticking to a sleep schedule because it's such a demanding world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so hard to commit to that. And plus, you want your time for yourself. You want like, I don't know how many times I've said to myself, you know, I just want to sit here for one hour. And I want to watch this show. I just want to. Sorry to interrupt, but that one hour will turn into two hours, (laughs) (laughs) and you end up watching the whole the whole series. Yeah, you watch the whole season. (laughs) You're like, I just one more episode, just one more episode. (laughs) You watched all of Game of Thrones in one sitting. (laughs) No, that's a good. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. All right, so um, all right, so sleeping seven to nine. All right, so let me ask you this question. Is there a particular, well, I'm sure there is, but let me ask it in two parts. Is there, what exercise program do you follow, right? Yep. But also, is is there a particular brand that you subscribe to? Like, in other words, are you following a particular trainer? Or are you following a, partic- a particular routine that someone could purchase? Or are you just, or do you construct your own routine when you're in the gym and what are you doing? Yeah. Um, I, I constructed my own routine just based on, um, like I'm sure in the beginning it was a little sloppy, but I've gotten more structured, um, learned what works for me. What I do is, um, I'll work chest and triceps one day. Next day will be back and biceps. Okay. And the next day's legs. Okay. And the next day is, um, shoulders and forearms which i know like people don't really separate into a day but i feel like that helps me focus on those parts since you're not really working on them during like chest and try or back and by um and then the next day will be legs again so you have a shoulder and forearm day yeah which is not mm-hmm. very that's not very typical that's interesting. um but it kind of it, it, it helps me i guess it gives me not only does it help me focus on those parts but it gives me rest from those other days right like when I'm still tired from back and bicep day, I'm working on shoulders and forearms while those muscles are resting. And I think a lot of problem that a lot of people make, especially a lot of people see in the gym, they don't work out legs at all. I was and, just going to say, what about legs? Yeah. And I try to work them out every other day. Like I'll split up, like when I'm doing chest and try one day, uh, the mix, the next day will most likely be legs. When I do back and by, then, then legs again, because um, that's half your body that you're neglecting if you're not working on your legs. And especially, especially for me who 
Um, I have like long legs, long uh, skinny legs naturally. Um, you don't want to have like a a big toned upper body and just have chicken legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the the le- you'd be surprised how much work your legs do when you're doing upper body work and when you're benching a lot of that weight is being supported by your legs pushing off the ground so the stronger your legs are the stronger your upper body will be your whole body's connected and um i think it's just important to work out every part equally well i think um like have you ever done like i'm sure you have but you you know when you do heavy squats right yeah or 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 lunges yes when you're done with that set, your whole body is like your heart is going 100 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. It's like you're, you, that, since it's it's literally a whole body workout. No, especially yeah, especially those leg exercises. A lot of people say, well, a lot of people hate doing leg exercises because they're like that's just like a glorified cardio day because you're just sweating after Basically, those sets. But it's like, but go ahead, continue. continue. Uh, no, yeah, I was gonna say like. What's cool about like those exercises that you mentioned, squats and lunges, those aren't only aren't only legs. You're also working your upper body too. Right. So it's not like you're neglecting your upper body when you do legs. Your your upper body is doing a lot of work too, so you're building that as well. And those compound exercises, which for people not familiar, that's when uh, like a lot of parts of your body are working together to do that set exercise. Um, like say like the bench press, right? Your chest is not only doing the work. Your triceps are working, your shoulders are working, your legs are helping, lunges, same same thing. Those are the best exercises that you could do because you're working out all all the body parts um, at the same time for a functional movement. Um, and by functional movement, I mean like something you that you do every day. Um, like for bench press, right? You're gonna you're gonna like common uh, daily routine, daily things like pushing a door open or like pushing some weight that's something that people do every day so that's like a good exercise to do yeah no i i've always done my leg workouts right i don't like doing my leg workouts but i always do them right but it's it's true it's like i've i've known you know i've known um situations where somebody asked me to lift something right and i lift it with no problem and they're like oh shit you're stronger than i thought you were it's my legs, bro. It's because I work out my legs. Yeah, you like know picking I mean? up a box. That's that's yeah. where the squats come in. That's where the right. lunges come in. Um, th- it helps you perform like everyday movements that that is that's necessary for you to like live your life. So yeah, the more you focus on your legs, the easier everything else will be. Even your upper body strength. No, for sure, for sure. So I know because, but I'll tell you a funny story. All right, so. And I'm I, wait. It's gonna be a funny story, but it's also gonna be it's also gonna be advice. Okay. All right. So I remember I was um never do your leg day. I recommend personally, my personal opinion, do your leg day um on a day where the day after or the day the two days after you don't have to like travel or do anything crazy so it's <laughs> yeah. kind of good to do it maybe on a friday or on a thursday yeah, you don't want to be limping around the office <laughs> bro i remember one day i was like i went to the gym and it was sunday and i did an intense no i'm lying it was saturday i did an intense workout 
with my legs. Squats, lunges, leg presses. Okay. The whole I I went in, right? Yeah. I was listening to Young Jeezy, so forget it. It was a rap, <laughs> right? So I'm like completely focused. And then that Monday I had to go to work. The Sunday, the day after, I was fine. I was like, I'm good. Right? Mm-hmm. I was walking around, blah, blah, blah. It didn't kick it didn't kick in yet. Monday morning, bro. I had to get up. I had to get up and go to work. To get in my car was painful. <laughs> <laughs> to to get on the bus was because you have to walk up these stairs. Oh. And then anyone who's traveled in New York City knows when you get off the bus or the train, there's stairs everywhere. Yeah. So Oh my gosh, you gotta walk, bro. You got to walk a bunch of blocks. Bro, my <laughs> legs were on fire. <laughs> yeah, people around you like, what's up with this guy? He's like, <laughs> like hopping around. <laughs> I was like, never again. Never again. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, yeah, definitely. I would say you know, leg days are definitely the toughest. They're, they're not my favorite days, but you got to do them. <laughs> but also another, 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 another good thing with, with, with leg exercises, you got to be careful. You ever go to the gym and you do those, you know, those leg presses, you know, the ones where you sit back and you put your feet up and you push. Yeah. Like the, they're like more vertical. Yeah. Yeah. So I did those ones, but those it's almost safer to do regular squats because those you have to make sure that you're not bringing your legs too back mm-hmm. because I didn't know this at the time. Again, I'm listening to young Jeezy, right? And I'm bringing my legs all the way back. Yeah. And I'm pushing and I'm doing heavy weight. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like into it, listening to the music on the zone. <laughs> yeah. Went home. I was like, this is an amazing workout. You know, this is great. Right. Yeah. And then you feel it in your knees and your lower <laughs> no, back. Bro, I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning. My leg was a balloon. Oh, wow. I had ripped cartilage. In my knee. Oh, yeah, that's the big, that's yeah. the big problem with doing legs. If you're not using the proper form, yep. all that, all that weight and pressure goes to your knees, which is not what you want. I learned that the hard way. This was about, I don't know, like 12 years ago, something like that. But I learned that the hard way. So it's like when you're doing those leg press machines, make sure that you're not bringing your knees all the way to, you know, all the way back. You want to stop at the midway point and then push again. Like you got to be real careful with that you're using proper form, especially if you're doing heavy weight, and especially if you're listening to Young Jeezy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just to build off your point about the form, which is like the most important part. Um, when I first started uh, working out, I always made sure I looked before I did a certain exercise, like a new exercise. I looked at a video of a trainer on whether on you probably YouTube. Um, seeing them do the proper form and then looking at myself in the mirror and replicating that form and then making sure it feels natural until I've mastered it. Um, Because you do something with the wrong form and you keep doing it, you're going to, like you said, with your knee, if you were to keep doing that consistently, then eventually you're going to, you're going to tear very, very important muscles. Like, yeah, yeah. You have to be really, really careful. And it's like, there's an app that um came out recently it's called beastly i think it's called okay and it's a really good app it's like um if if you're someone that is a complete beginner and you don't know you know weights or you don't know how to what to even do when you're in the gym it gives you like an exercise program to do every day 
and it, and right to your point, before every exercise, they show you a video of the proper form. Yeah, and and yeah, that's very important. I have a similar app where um, it'll divide the exercises by body part, like the most popular and effective ones. And if you click on, for example, chest, it'll show you all those chest exercises and all the videos or like 10 second videos of a person doing it with correct form. And you just try to replicate that. Yeah, it's it's super important, super important. But yeah, I thought I'd share that story. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So really quickly. So what are some of your, what, what I know, well, let me back up a little bit. You're, you've always been an athlete. You've always been involved in some type of sport. Right. Yeah. I've known since you were little, you know, whenever I was like, where's Christian? They were like, oh, he's at this game or he's competing in this. And so talk a little bit about, you know, your experience with sports. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, especially my parents signed me up for like every single sport, like basketball, baseball and soccer. And I was doing that like all year round. Um, and I love sports, right? I love to watch them. I love to play in them ever since I was a little kid. Um, but there was one sport, and Mark, Mark knows what sport it is, that I gravitated towards, and that was soccer. Absolutely. And I think part of that was that I was able to grow up with a bunch of kids who I'm still close with today that um, I got along with very well. And we grew up since we were... I'd say eight, year, eight years old learning the sport. And we played till we were like, till we graduated high school senior year. So I was like, I was like 12 years. We played together, same team. And I grew up with those kids. And uh, I, lo- I love that sport. And I think the big thing is with sports is not only do they keep you in shape, but they also uh, help you form friendships. I know all those kids um, today I'm still close with them, uh, as a senior in college right now. And I'm probably going to keep talking to them after I have a full-time job, uh, when I'm in my thirties and forties. So those bonds are essential. So I mean, I would recommend like every kid at least plays one sport. So do you feel like it's, it teaches you social skills? So it's like, oh, definitely. It gets you out of the house. Um, you're interacting with a bunch of kids all the time. Um, it's very it's very important um just learning how to work in a team also um that it builds that that teamwork aspect um of a kid's personality and i would also say um like now as a throughout my college uh career i didn't play soccer i ended up kind of retiring uh senior year um of high school but I found another hobby called Spikeball. Yeah. <laughs> I introduced Mark to I remember Spikeball. that. Yeah, that was hilarious. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a, a Shark Tank idea, but it's basically a little net on the floor. Um, and it's two people versus another two people. And it's basically a mini volleyball. You're hitting the ball on the net, and the other team has three hits to return it back on the net to the other team. And when the ball drops, whoever hit it... Um, and that ball drops on the other team's side, then they get the point. So that, I'm obsessed with that today because I find that so fun, especially when the weather's nice and you're diving all over the place 
uh, and, especially and, on the beach too. Yeah, and what's cool about it is you don't need like this gigantic field. Like if you're playing soccer, you yeah. just need like you had your little setup. Yeah, your small net, a couple balls, and you're ready to go. Right, and we were like, um, we were like, it was a how many? It was you, me, Alexis, George. Yeah, it was the four of us. Marquise played too. Yes, right? yes, but it. I don't know if you remember, but that was a lot of running. I remember everyone was yeah was sweating. Everyone yeah. was out of breath. <laughs> But it's it's a fun sport for for those of you who are listening. Um, definitely look it up, uh, spike ball. It's, yeah, no, it's it, new. It's it's a growing thing. They're trying to make it like an official sport. Um, there's there's professionals now. Who no, that be. was cool. That was cool. We had fun, man. Yeah, fun. It was in it was in your backyard. Remember? We, yeah, we played it on the beach and we played it in your backyard. Yeah, I think yeah. I introduced it to you in the backyard, and then we played on the beach too. Yeah, and it's especially fun on the beach because. Diving on the sand instead of diving yeah. on the hard grass is much easier. <laughs> but it's it's a it's a cool sport. But speaking of soccer, right? Um, my grandson is playing soccer, Evan, right? And you know, he's adamant that he's gonna be the next Francisco Ronaldo. Like he's like, that's his thing. He's completely focused. And like I was telling you earlier, before we put him in baseball, because you know. With Latinos, you know, we want him to be the next, you know, big Yankee. Yeah. Right. Um, but he was like, yo, this is not for me. He just didn't enjoy it. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I liked about soccer is that he came to us and he was like, I want to play soccer as yeah. opposed to us saying, hey, you should play this. He wanted it. No, you that's know what I mean. That's good because that's like the first step of finding your passion for something. Right. Um. I would say, I mean, I wasn't that way when I first started because my parents just signed me up and then I ended up choosing. I'm like, I don't like basketball as much. I don't like baseball as much. So I ended up dropping those and just focusing on soccer. And then I loved it so much. I ended up playing for three teams at one time, which was a little too much, but that was all year round. And I ended up, it's kind of off topic, but I kind of ended up messing up my knees because that was too much soccer in one because I'd play like three games in a day one time oh really yeah and i ended up getting um this thing called osgood squatters which is like when fluid builds up in your knee and that was one of the most painful things oh but that's damn. that's kind of off topic of what you were saying but wait wait, wait. that's that was a that was that was what did what was what is it called uh, osgood squatters osgood squatters i'm gonna right, right, try to say <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> yeah i i hadn't heard i hadn't heard of it prior to when i i got it but yeah i got it in both knees and i remember i was playing I was playing in a tournament and it was just so like all of a sudden it was just so painful to run. And I was in so much pain that like I was starting to tear up and I, I couldn't play anymore. Oh, and man. even like the, like the medics that they had there didn't even know what was going on. Did you get the fluid like drained out of your knee or no, it ended up, I mean, I went to the doctor, right. And they, they told me what it was. Um, they said it was just what you have. To, they almost told me that I had to, quit soccer i remember one of the one of the doctors was like if you're getting this then to solve it stop playing i'm like it's not that simple i love soccer right i'm not gonna stop playing My passion yeah but i did have to take end up resting a bit um and eventually it just it goes away the pain will just go away all i need was rest and ice um, got it but yeah now it's just it's like i have an extra bone in my knee because that fluid is like it hardened and it's still it's still there it's still there but i don't feel anything Oh yeah. man, you can't have it like you can't get that taken out. Like you can't, that can't be fixed. Um, 
I'm not sure. They probably have a way of taking it out, but I mean, it really didn't like after like a couple months, it kind of, there was no more pain. So it hasn't really affected me since it kind of just went away and it's gone. Got it. Forever. Oh man, that's crazy. No, but can you go back to the point about um, Evan? I I think I kind of went off topic there. Yeah, no, it's all good. (laughs) Evan, 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 um, Evan wants to be in soccer. Like he's really adamant about it. He's very serious about it. And that makes me happy because um, with my kids and my grandkids, my thing has always been, you know, well, actually, let me correct myself. It hasn't always been. It's something I've learned over time that you can't have your kids be what you want them to be. You've got to eat uh, regardless of how good your intentions are. You've got to listen to them. Yeah, let them choose their own path. Yeah. And then whatever that path is, support them. Support them 120%. Yeah. Right? And that's what I've done, you know. Marquise, you know, when we when he was little, I had dreams of him being a UFC fighter because, you mm-hmm. know, I put him in martial arts since he was a little kid and that was Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and he I was like, "Oh, it's going to be great." You know what I mean? This guy's going to be like you know, competing all this tournament. Next, John Jones. Yeah, you know, and he's long. He's got long arms and yeah. legs like John Jones. I was mm-hmm. like, oh snap! <laughs> right, but he was like, one day he looked at me. He was like, Dad, that's not me. I'm like, so what do you want to do? He was like, I want to write. And look at that. He got a book. It's published. It's out in the stores. Yeah. I see. He's getting his. He got his degree. Excuse me, in creative writing and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. and you know, I'm you know super 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 proud of him. Um, and then you know. Christina, she wanted to she wanted to open up her own business uh, with her husband Ariel, and that business is thriving. And you know, Alana, my granddaughter, she came to me. She was like, "I was like, don't you want to play baseball?" <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, "No, I want to dance." So I was like, "All right." So we put her in dance, and she's phenomenal, and she, and she loves it too. Oh, she's yeah. phenomenal, right? And then Evan was like, "I want to play soccer." Yeah, that's what I want. And we put him in soccer, and he's so focused. So I started with the Kid Strong program, and that taught him, like, the discipline, you know, mm-hmm. and the commitment. And then we put him in soccer, and he's ready now. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, so I definitely want you to spend some time with him because, you know, you could probably teach him a lot. Man. Yeah, i definitely love to. Um, and back to what you're saying, like, just it's important that – if they're passionate about something like Evan, you see Evan loves soccer. Um, Alana loves dance. That's when they'll give it their best. And that's yep. when they'll want to get better. And yeah, I definitely love to to teach Evan. I've always wanted to push um, my little cousin to play soccer. But uh, like you mentioned with Marquise, he's, he's more of a, he's more of an artistic type right. of, type right. of little right. guy. It wasn't his calling, right? Yeah. That's not what he wants. So, but no, that'd be great. That'd be great. Maybe one day we can just go out to the soccer field and you guys can just you can just work with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely love that. It's actually been a while since I've even touched a soccer ball, but uh, I still know the basics. <laughs> I mentioned it to him. He was like, I was like, but listen, if Christian comes to work with you, you got to be serious. He was like, I'm going to be serious. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I'll, I'll be a tough trainer. <laughs> you know? And then, um, so when he's winning the championship trophy, he could be like, I remember when Christian Barrientos taught me how to do that. <laughs> I'll give a little speech. Um, 
I got I got a question for you. It's a little sure. I, I guess it's on topic, but yeah, go for about it. When you mentioned the championship trophy, what do you think of uh, the participation trophies that they're giving kids these days? They're giving mm. they seem to be giving everyone a, a trophy just for for being there. I don't. This is what I think. I think should kids be acknowledged in some way for having the courage to participate? Yes. Do I think they should get trophies? No. I think I think that you you you've got to find a balance because mm-hmm. here's the thing. It's it's tricky because if you just reward for no reason, then the kids are not really learning. They're not going to want to get better because they right. already got that award. You got, you gave them the reward before they did the work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think instead of a participation trophy, I think maybe, you know, when, you know, when everyone joins a team, you know, like acknowledge, mm-hmm. oh, and here's our team and, you know, and introduce them like this, this yeah. is our team, like acknowledge them in that way. Cause be honest, that takes courage for a little kid to even get on that field. Yeah. However, the trophies is I think it's overkill because I think you've got a you you need to earn things in life. You know what I mean? Nothing's given to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. Um because I remember when we first when I first grew up with my hometown soccer team, it was called the team was called Lightning. Um we when we started off, we were not the best. We were like last in the league. We were getting blown out by a bunch of teams. And then eventually as years passed, we slowly got better and better because that's what happens when you practice and and you keep playing. And then eventually we got first place in the league and that's when we got a league trophy. And that um that felt good because not only did we put in the work, but we also performed. We were the number one team in the league. So obviously the number one team were number two team they should get rewarded right um because if you reward every single team in the league then what's the point like really what's the point of competing you're not giving them anything to strive for yeah you know what i mean you're not giving them a goal you know exactly what I mean? and i remember when we lost when we've lost to like the top team in the league we at least my mentality was next year i want to beat them i want to get better enough or good enough to be able to compete with that team and beat them so then you practice and like soon enough you'll be able to compete with that top team and get that reward that you're looking for. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think that yeah, you have to earn things in life. And and I think it's it gives the wrong concept of what life is really all about because in the real world, everything you get, you're going to have to earn it. There's going to be no participation trophies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You don't you you got to earn it. No, yeah, yeah it is a good it's, no, I think that's a good point. Yeah. No, I just want to ask you about that because but, I know. But I think it should be acknowledged that they had the heart to try. That, yeah, that they yeah, that they signed up, that they participated as part of a team. Yeah. yeah that should be like a thing that's acknowledged within the team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. agree with that. All right. So. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. So you're a big UFC fan as well, right? I love the UFC. I I think I believe you were you were definitely the one that got me into it. Um, yeah. I remember way back, probably when I was like, I forget what year the McGregor Aldo fight was, but 
you bought yeah. you bought the pay per view at my aunt's house, and I and I was sleeping over that day. Yep. And that was one of the most hyped up fights. I remember like the intros that they give the fighters, like <laughs> yeah. talking about their background. That got me like so hyped up because Aldo at the time hadn't lost in over 10 years. Yeah, he was ridiculous. He and was a machine. The other guy, McGregor, who most people probably know at this point, was like the loud mouth bad guy. Yeah. And uh, well, I wouldn't say was, still is. Still is, though. Yeah. <laughs> I've come to like him now, actually. <laughs> no, you know what? I like McGregor too, but he used to piss me off. I'm oh yeah, back lie. then I thought it was a little too arrogant because he yeah. like disrespect the like a a guy who was a champion for over ten years. Yeah, yeah. But that's just how he is, and that's it's grown the sport. It, um, oh, it absolutely has grown the sport. Yeah, yeah. But that fight definitely got me into it. <laughs> I remember Mark was so hyped up about that fight, and it went nine seconds. <laughs> yep, Aldo went in. McGregor caught him. It was a wrap. Fight was over. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I remember going, it's like, what was that $60 for? That yeah. you spent on the pay-per-view <laughs> just for that? I was like, no, <laughs> this is not happening. I was so pissed but off. But that's part of the beauty of the UFC is that anything yeah. could happen. Yeah, no, McGregor McGregor was was a fun, and still is a phenomenal, like, just a presence, you know? Um, but also, if we're going to talk about that, we got to talk about his fight with Khabib. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess I could start. Uh, I I was rooting for McGregor in that fight, right? Because I know you were. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you're a big Khabib fan. Huge. He's my favorite fighter. And I guess it's because I, I like rooting for the underdog. And Khabib at the time seemed unbeatable. I mean, this guy was undefeated, yeah, but bro, dominating guys. Everybody, I'll never forget this. Everybody was Team McGregor. Everybody, and I remember I was the only person, me alone. I was the only one. Well, in, in my group, not the only one, mm -hmm. you know. But I was like, Khabib, Khabib's gonna win. I'm telling you, he's gonna win. He's gonna break him down. He's gonna win. And I even wore the Khabib shirt <laughs> to the fight night, right? And everybody's Khabib, everybody's, every, excuse me, everybody's McGregor. Everybody's giving me crap. Everybody's like, McGregor, 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 McGregor. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm telling you, Khabib's going to take it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And when he took it, that was like, yeah. that, was like that was like a great moment for me. Uh, you know, I got love for McGregor. Don't get me wrong, but, but Khabib's my dude. Yeah. And I definitely... I definitely think that that was definitely a bad matchup for McGregor. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. The wrestling. the wrestling striking matchup is not the best for the striker. And he underestimated the striking of Khabib, I feel. Yeah. You know, Khabib surprised him with that. And I think just also like the worry about being taken down also kind of affects the striking. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're constantly worrying about putting your hand, like bending down and putting your hands down, then your face is exposed. So he got caught a couple of times. And the thing, the thing is, I think for any UFC fighter or any martial artist that's in any mixed martial arts tournament is they're always worried about the takedown, you know, and they've got that in their mind where they're striking. But think about if you're striking with a guy like Khabib, you know, mm -hmm. they say that when he's got you on the octagon, you feel like there's 300 pounds on top of you because his yeah. form and his, his, he just knows, he knows it so well. That you you can't get out. It's you're like drowning. Sambo, right? Is that the name of? Yeah, his? you're like you're like you're like you're drowning. You're just drowning. No, yeah, I've watched a couple of his fights, especially the one that stood out stood out to me was the Poirier fight, 
Yeah. Like, Poirier's a great fighter. Amazing fighter. Yeah, and he's also a good wrestler too. But when he got taken down, he, he could not get up. And you when they showed like the corners in between rounds, you could see he was exhausted. He was telling his corner, I can't get this guy off of me. Yeah. Khabib just doesn't let him go. Like if you get taken down that round, you're gonna be on your back the whole round, the rest of the round. But you know, you gotta think about it like this. Khabib is a very special fighter, kind of similar to uh Floyd Mayweather in boxing. And this is what I mean by that. They're very different personalities, but these are guys that literally devoted their entire life to combat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't do any of that. Like I was watching um an interview with Floyd Mayweather the other day, and he goes out to the clubs, right? And he buys all these bottles for everybody. He doesn't take one sip of liquor. Yeah. He's, He's buying it for everybody else, but he doesn't touch it. All the discipline you need to get to that level. Yeah. There's yeah, just, those top guys. There's just guys that are just in their own lane. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there's like martial artists and there's the UFC guys that are just, you know, to be in the UFC, you're, you're a killer. To you're you're be, very top of the. You're, you're a killer if you're there. Yeah. Right. But then there's these guys that are just a whole nother lane. And like uh, just like a completely different level of the upper echelon of just yeah competition, they they live it. They, yeah, it's their whole life. It's who they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not and, something they do. It's who they are, and they just get it like mentally. Like Floyd, one of the smartest fighters. If you watch him fight, yep. Like defensively, like he just knows what's it's coming. Insane. It's insane. His preparation, like he'll do. He'll be his personality doesn't match his fighting style at all he was like he'll be talking all this um smack before the fight but he is one of the smartest fighters in the ring and it's just it's just unbelievable i remember watching um him versus canelo right when canelo was like rising right and he he made him look silly just i know canelo was still young but he was still he was good at the time and canelo couldn't touch him it, it was crazy it's the pre- i can't imagine the amount of preparation that he he does just looking at the other the opponent's tendencies their favorite uh strike so yeah he's 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 studies them he studies every aspect of them and then he's like i was watching an interview with one of the people that um were on his team and they say the way he trains it just you you're like yo i want to do every part of my life i want to have that type of dedication he's so focused they said that he will go out to the clubs i heard this in on an interview that he would go out to the clubs, buy everybody else drinks, mm-hmm. right? Everybody would drink. He wouldn't touch it. Yeah. And then when he left the club, he'd go for a run. Wow. And he'd have yeah. like his cars behind him. That's what they were saying. And that, so, that mean, takes a lot of commitment. Like a lot of people would, would say like, oh, I want to be able to do that. Or I- I'll, I'll start doing that. But it's easier said than done. <laughs> that's devotion. Yeah. Man. That's, that's like a whole nother level. And I think that's why... Khabib was so unbeatable because he's that level. Like, yeah, he lives it. It's, yeah, you know I th- what I mean. I think that applies to all athletes too, like the top, like LeBron James. Yeah, like those top athletes, they're typically training harder than the other athletes. Kobe. In the, yeah, exactly. His work ethic was insane. Yeah. Um. Yeah, to be. I mean, 
I'll use the NBA as an example. Like even the last guy, like the worst guy in the NBA, but still dominate like your average Joe. Oh, yeah. if you're in the NBA, you're like, nice. You're, you're still, yeah, you're still amazing. You're nice. You're, yeah. You're still pro. But those top guys like LeBron, they're not only are they supremely gifted athletically, but they're also working harder than everyone else, even those other pros in the league. So that's why they're, they're the top. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I, I mean, I saw another interview, um, and it was about Kobe, and they were saying that as well. They were like that. Everybody went to the club. Kobe went to the gym. Yeah, he he would wake up at what was it? I think um, Carmelo Anthony said. Yeah, that, it was Carmelo. Yeah, yeah, Carmelo said. I don't know if it was a text or if he knocked on his door during um the USA camp, and it was like four a.m. at the time and. Kobe asked him, hey, you want to go to the gym? And Carmelo's like, you crazy? I'm sleeping. Or, or I'm going to the club, something like that. And Kobe's just shooting like a thousand shots for like, I don't know how many hours. I mean, he, he was obsessed with his craft. Yeah, there's just certain guys that are just Michael Jordan. It's another one. You yeah. know, they're just special, man. And you could tell when you watch them play that they just, they, um, their focus and their like the determination to be great like right. like you could see it when like like Jordan wanted to like destroy like destroy you and you could tell by his face by just the way he played just trying to dunk over people right and Kobe was the same way right Kobe wanted to drop 50 on your head what, every time what was it that they said that i think they were interviewing Kobe um god bless his soul by the way um they were interviewing Kobe and Kobe was like um that somebody on the team told him, yo, we're playing against Jordan. So, you know, this is how we handle Jordan. You know, you want to avoid him or something to that extent. And Kobe was like, I don't think you realize who you're speaking to right now. Yeah, I remember that. He's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take him one-on-one. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show him who's the guy. Right. But then that's what they didn't realize. Yes, Jordan is that special athlete, but so is Kobe. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? It's the mentality. Um. Yeah, the, their mentalities were were different, even among the pros. Yeah, just exceptional, exceptional, exceptional. I kind of wanted to ask you, um, since we were talking about the UFC, what you thought of about Adesanya, um, like taking down Pereira. Well, I saw the fight, right, and I think my personal opinion, I think it, Pereira was a little overconfident going into that fight. I felt like. Pereira was at a point where he was like, I've done this. I've beaten this guy, you know, multiple times because mm-hmm. he beat him, you know. In, in kickboxing. Too, yeah, yeah. He was like, I, I, I think he felt he had his number. Yeah. But a guy like Adesanya, you just can't count him out. And I think Adesanya was just timing him. And, you know, I, I, I know some, some people feel that it was a lucky punch. I don't think it was a lucky punch. I, no. think, I think it was strategic. And I think he timed it perfectly. No, I agree. Um, I thought Pereira was doing a good job with the leg kicks. Yeah. Because Adesanya was starting to like slow down um, in terms of his movement. And when he, he got backed into the cage, I think Pereira thought this is the time where I could finish him. Right. That's but what I got, mean. He got sloppy because yeah. he was starting to swing. And Adesanya, I was watching, Adesanya was practicing that exact punch. Yeah, because it was very strategic. Yeah, Pereira tends to open up at a certain. He was opening up a lot um, during that point, and Adesanya saw an opening, and he, and he, 
I believe it was an uppercut, right? That he connected and then that stunned Pereira and he finished the job. Yeah, it was done. I, what, what I personally, I would like to see it again. I would like to see it again because now they're kind of like in a place where okay, they've both been humbled. Yeah. Let's and, see what happens now. And this is like one, it's one to one in the UFC. This is like the rubber match. Right. So Pereira will come back and he'll be more, I think he'll be more focused. Yeah. Less confident, which is sometimes a good thing mm-hmm. to have that little bit of like, like respect for your opponent. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. And I, but I think he's going up to, they say he's going up to light heavyweight because the cut was too, it was too much for. Oh, that's for right. Oh, yeah, I did hear that. I did. Hear yeah. That. And it's kind of like with the whole tank Garcia fight that just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I was rooting for Garcia. Yeah, me too. You know, I want, I really wanted him to do well. Um, but you could see from watching the fight, you could see the talent tank has. Like you could see, like his, the way he thinks about boxing. That you know, the way you can see that he studied under Floyd. You can see it. You know yeah. his movement. You can see that he was timing him, and you can see he was waiting. And I think in the beginning of the fight, when they first started fighting, it was interesting. You know, they were both holding their own for a minute. They're feeling each other out. Mm-hmm. But Garcia got a little too. Um, he got impatient, I feel. And I feel like he just tr- started swinging, you know, to try to take his take his head off. Oh, kind of similar to what Logan Paul did with Floyd Mayweather, where he just started swinging. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was like, I mean, I, I know I'm not saying that Logan Paul and Garcia are on the same level, but I'm just saying that they did the same thing. They just mm-hmm. started, they were like, you know what? I'm just going to take this guy's head off. Yeah, And I think that, you can't do that with guys on that level. You know what I mean? And and Tank was just was timing him. You know and, I, I mean? and I think myself included, um, but a lot of people thought that Tank was just a knockout artist, um, considering he knocked out all of his opponents except for one. Right. And you watch that fight and you see how tactical he is, how smart he is in the ring. He's brilliant. And that was a I think that was a great fight where he was able to showcase he wasn't like he's not only a hard puncher, but that he's a, like a skilled boxer as well. That he's strategic. That he thinks about because he's because um, I haven't seen it yet, but Showtime is going to do this. Um, you know, I don't know what they. I think it's called All Access, where they where they show the fight, mm-hmm. but they show it from the like the audience reactions. So you see like everybody how they're talking in their seats and how they're reacting to the fight. So I really want to see that, but I saw a preview of it. And one thing that I thought was really cool is that um, when um, Garcia was coming for him, like, mm-hmm. you know, hitting him hard and everybody was like, oh, like you, you, you tune into the different audience members. They were like, oh, what's up now? Like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and they showed Floyd and Floyd is just doing the calm down motion with his hands to the crowd. He's like, that's nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like he knew. He knew. He, he was like... He, Floyd, you could see it. He, he, that's probably how he envisioned the fight going. Yeah, he was like... And they already prepared. That's nothing. And then all of a sudden, that. Tank hit him. Boom. And he went that, down. That liver shot was quick. The liver shot... I'm talking about the first knockdown. Oh, the first... Yeah, the, yeah. The initial knockdown. Like, when he caught him and he fell. Mm-hmm. And later, when they interviewed Garcia, he actually said that. He was like... He was like, um, um, I got a little too confident. I got a little too... 
um, I, I just wanted to give the crowd a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't do that with guys like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was just swinging for the fences. Yeah, and... but Garcia is phenomenal. No, He's he is amazing no. talent. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm a fan. I was rooting for him, you know, as you were. Um, but but he made a, a mistake there. And then when he got hit with that liver punch, if you see interviews from you know when they were preparing for the fights, um, Tank knew that he had already been hurt to the body. Mm-hmm. So that was strategic. Yeah, you know what I mean. Of course, you know I, I saw that 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 um that was definitely a weak spot that he was trying to exploit, and a lot of people, obviously on social media, a lot of people are saying that Garcia quit. But you you slow down that liver shot. That was a and liver shots especially they'll shut down your body when you get hit by those. He did not quit. Exactly. No, yeah, I, he was shut down. Like people don't understand anybody that says that. Oh, he could have got up. They they don't they don't understand how the they body- don't. They don't get it. You know yeah. what I mean? If you get hit, and I, I posted a video on my Instagram page where a guy actually breaks it down. When you get hit there, like your rib cage absorbs the blow, mm-hmm. right? So you don't feel it right away. You think you're okay. You get hit, your rib cage takes the blow, but then that pressure hits your liver. And it takes a couple of seconds for your body to. And your body just like, your body just shuts off. And it's excruciating pain. Anybody, I don't care who you are, you get hit in that perfect spot, you're not you're, getting up. Yeah, you're going down. You know what I mean? And I've seen it in the UFC where guys get hit with the liver punch yeah. and they get shut down. I remember, um, I don't know if you remember this fight, but I was watching um, all, Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens. That exact, that exact same thing, but it was a kick. He hit the liver perfectly. And yeah. you can see Stevens' face right away. like. Um, his face scrunched up and he just cur- like curled up into a ball. And it's not, it's not, it's not a like, um, it's not like when you get punched in your face or you get punched in your arm or you're punching your chest and it really hurts, mm-hmm. but you, you, you fight through it. It's not like that. You, you, your organs, your body can control it. Like yeah, it's just, it's just <laughs> you, you have no control. Yeah. So he did not quit. You know what I mean? He, he wanted to get up. He just, he couldn't. He couldn't. Yeah. And then people were saying, they were like, yeah, but right when the 10 count happened, he got up. Of course. Have you ever been working out at the gym mm-hmm. or doing something like that? Or if sparring, doing some light sparring, and you get to the point where you're exhausted, you can't spar anymore. You're tired. You're, you're, you're mm-hmm. exhausted. That last rep, you can't get it up. But you can still get up and walk around. Of course, yeah. You know what I mean? It's a big difference between getting up and walking around and holding your stomach and recovering than getting back up and going back into combat. And the fact that he even yeah. got up shows how tough. Yeah, he's tough. He, he's like, a warrior. Tough he, is. He, he wanted to keep fighting. It's just his body couldn't. But the thing about that fight that had me thinking even bigger than the actual fight was, did you see the press conference afterwards? I saw portions of it, but not the whole thing. So the press conference, De La Hoya mm-hmm. and Bernard Hopkins didn't show up. Okay. So Ryan Garcia, in his lowest moment, was sitting at the press press conference by himself with his family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. His coach, his trainer, wasn't there either. Why like, was that? Or were they just disappointed? They, or? Something, De La Hoya said something about that they were getting death threats and they needed to get out of there and all okay. that stuff. 
come on, man. This is when your fighter needs you the most. Yeah, you got to be there for your fighter. Yeah, like, come on, bro. And then um, um, Mayweather was there for Tank. And mm-hmm. Mayweather would have been there with Tank if Tank lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Mayweather said it later when they interviewed him. You know, he's like, you know, if I'm with you, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's essentially what he said. That, you know, you, there's loyalty. You know what I mean? It's like, if... And I'm big on that. I'm a huge, I'm, loyalty is so important. If that's your person, then that's your person, whether they're winning or they're losing. Yeah. You got to back them up even when they're yeah they're not at their best. Right. So, so I think that, um, De La Hoya dropped the ball on that one. Maybe he didn't want to face Mayweather because him and Mayweather have a rivalry. Yeah. You know? So, no, but that's yeah, that's that's not a good look. Yeah, and I, I have a De La Hoya autograph somewhere here. I saw him training for one of his fights when he was young. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I put it. It's in one of these drawers, mm-hmm. right? But um, so I I was a De La Hoya fan, but that was whack. You don't do that. No, yeah, and I thought Garcia was very, very humble in defeat. He was, um, yeah, I thought he, so too. And he was, I, I thought he gave. Tank the proper credit. Um, I know it's. I mean, they, they were trash talking a lot um, before the fight, but that was my, mainly to sell the fight. They didn't really hate each other. Um, right. I don't, at least I don't think. And I think after this fight, they both respect each other, which is always a good thing. Yeah, and honestly, I was like, um, when I watched a lot of the post-fight interviews, I saw like just the respect. That was there, and it kind of made me a tank fan. I was like, "Oh, he's actually humble and he's cool." But then later, I heard he started talking about Garcia, saying he's not a real fighter and all that stuff. And that's not cool. Come on, bro. Right? Yeah, like I feel like if you're willing to get in the ring, um, yeah, like you're a warrior regardless of the outcome. Yeah, that takes a lot of guts in front of millions, especially at that caliber. Um, fighting in front of millions and all the people. On the, um, watching on TV too. That's a lot of pressure. I would love them to run it back, but not right now. Yeah, no, I, I think Garcia needs some time to. I think he needs a new camp. I, did you hear about that that rat that um that uh that we call it? Oh yeah, the guy the the I think it was an Olympic boxer. The one that hit him is the one that hurt him, and that he was a rat for the Mayweather camp. Is that what you're yeah, talking about? yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That I he, mean, for he the gave, tank, tank, he gave camp? Garcia, no, not Garcia. He gave uh, Davis some information about yeah. Garcia. But you know, from what I hear, that's always the case in boxing. There's always a mole. There's always somebody, yeah, from the other guy's camp watching. That's you why know? you have to keep your camp close knit and make sure you goes back to what lo- you were saying before: loyalty and an inner. You stay true to your inner circle. Exactly. You know. So I don't know, man. But that was, I wasn't feeling that. You know what I mean? I was, I was, I was, I, I was like watching the press conference. I was like, where's De La Hoya? Like, that's crazy. He didn't even show and it's up. It's crazy. Even, even his coaches too, that like in trainer, that, no, that, none of them, nobody was there. It was just his family. And that goes back to what you were saying before as well. The end of the day, it's your family. Yeah. It's your family. That's going to be there for you. Yeah. Not necessarily. Um, well, I assume they're they're he's friends with his coaches in De La Hoya, but yeah, that's but disappointing from them. I would like to see um, Garcia get with like um, a really good training camp, 
find, you know, coaches that really believe in him, coaches that are going to teach him, you know, some, some more of the fundamentals, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, because he's an amazing talent. The guy is just incredible. If the, he gets, you take a talent like that and you give him to the right person, forget it. And he's still young. He's only 24. Yeah, he's a kid. He's young. Forget it. Yeah. Sky's the limit if he gets the right camp, and I'd love to see it. This loss might be the best thing that happens to him if he's yeah, able to, absolutely. to learn from it. Absolutely. I agree with that. You know, sometimes this is what I always I've said this on previous episodes is you want to fail forward. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people never try to progress in certain things because they're afraid to fail. They don't want to look stupid. Mm-hmm. Right? But you got to take chances in life. That's the only way, you know, you're going to grow. Like, you know, you ever have a situation where you're going to compete maybe in one of the soccer games you were in or maybe when, you know, your presentations like you were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. or um, anything that you're like about to do that you're like, yo, what did I get myself into? And you're just like that nervous feeling and your heart's beating and you're about to do it. Yeah. That's the greatest thing in the world. You know why? Because that's telling you you're living your purpose. That's telling you that you're growing. That you're pushing yourself. Yeah. That you're not, that, you, that you're, um, you're getting outside of your, that box where you're comfortable. Yeah. Com- being comfortable is the worst thing that you want. Because then you won't grow. You, you'll be you. You'll stay where you are. Yeah, whether it's a job or whatever. If it's just if you're just sticking with something because you're just so good at it that it is what it is, but you don't really love it. You're just doing it. Then you're not living your purpose. You've got to do things. You got to challenge yourself. You know, like this podcast. I I never did a podcast before, but I wanted to do it. So mm-hmm. I took a chance and it's turning out quite well. I um I, you know, I'm starting a new role in my my in, in this new company and you know, it's very challenging, you know, but I'm growing, I'm learning. Yeah, you, and you were telling me about that new role that you that you've never done anything like it before. Right. But in that and I've done things that are similar in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But it's like I'm I'm learning new aspects and I'm being exposed to certain things that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And I have an amazing boss who's just like, you know, an amazing mentor. And, you know, she's helping me tremendously. That's, you know what I mean? That's great. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's um that's great that you're willing to challenge yourself and do something new. Because that like because when when you stick to the same job, um and just because you're good at it, like you were saying, you kind of you stay stuck. You're yeah. not mentally challenging yourself. You're not. And you can growing. learn new things, and um, like try new things because eventually you're going to get bored and you're not going to go anywhere. Right. And what what's the worst that could happen? Let's say you fail. Let's say the worst case scenario happens. You fail at whatever it is you wanted to do. You still learned. You still grow, and it's still going to lead you to something better. Mm-hmm. You got to take chances in life. And failure is not necessarily the worst thing in the world because, no. because, um, as cliche as this sounds, like you're supposed to learn from your failures. Uh, I, I'll use an example. 
um, I guess I'll tie this back to soccer, but when we were playing like a really good team that was better than us and they crushed us 5-0 or 6-0, something like that. Um, yes, we lost. Yes, we weren't the better team. But what did that team do better that we could have done ourselves, that we can improve and, and do next time? Right. It's supposed to be a learning experience. You study, you know, okay, okay. What did they do that we didn't do? Mm-hmm. And you grow and you become... Like there's a reason that they were better that day. Yes. And um, the, like, for example, um, in soccer, when you're playing like those teams that you win, like you're so much better than that. It's no competition. Like, you're winning 7-0 and you're happy. Oh, yeah, I won. I'm dominating. But you're not getting better. You're, you're, you're playing against a team that's, that's not near your level, so you're not really improving. Right. It's when you're playing the best teams that are better than you that you'll learn and push yourself. What's that saying? There's a saying that um, I don't know who said it, but it's a great saying. It's um, if you are in a room and you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. That's that's a good saying. Because how are you gonna? You're not gonna learn as much from those people as you are from people that are smarter than you. Right, and you're not gonna grow. And and also like in in the martial arts world, if you go to the dojo every day and you're able to beat up everybody in that dojo, you're in the wrong dojo because it's not that you're that great because there's no matter how good you are, there's always someone there's better, some dude that'll knock you out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like you've always got to be you should be going if you're not going to your dojo and leaving like I remember we used to do jujitsu. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And we would, I would leave jujitsu, and I would take off my gi, and I had red marks all over my chest, my arms, you know, just from like fighting guys. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and you know they weren't trying to kill me, but mm-hmm. they were, you know, they were tough guys, and we would just go at it. And I, you could see, like, I looked like I went through a wall, right? <laughs> and but that's good. That mm-hmm. means that I was pushed. Yeah, you never want to go somewhere where you're just like dominating because then you're you, fighting all the white belts. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's silliness, you know what I mean? And that's, I think that's just trying to boost your ego when you're not trying to to better yourself. Yeah. Um, for like the white belt example, like let's say you're like like a, a blue belt or something that's much higher, but you're only sporting white belts. Right. You're only doing that because you want to feel like the best. You want to feel like a tough guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not what it's about. You, it's like you, you want to go and you want to, you know, for lack of a better word in training, you want to get your ass kicked. You want to get beat up a little bit. You know, the only way you're going to get better because you come out of there and you're like, oh man, I did a lot of things wrong today. You know what I mean? Because if it's happening in the training, if you go and fight somebody for real, it might happen there. That's not where you want to learn. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. You want to learn it in the dojo with people that love and care about you. And it's a process, um, like with this dojo example, like you, you were saying how if you make a, mu- a bunch of mistakes against uh, a guy who's better than you, you fight him again, you still make mistakes, but you made less than the, the previous time. Yeah. And you keep building off of that yeah. until you don't make those mistakes again. I remember, I remember when, um, one long time ago, I was training in a dojo. And um, we were we were doing a lot of wrestling and stuff like a lot of jujitsu, and you know I was doing pretty good. You know I was having a good day. I was feeling in the zone. Mm-hmm. And I went over to the sensei, and I was like, "Sensei, I wanna I wanna roll with you." 
And he was like, sure, come on, right? So he rolled with me. Let me tell you, I used every bit of strength, every bit of energy, Mm -hmm. everything I had to try to get this guy. And he was like on some crouching tiger, hidden dragon stuff. (laughs) He was just like not even breathing heavy, just perfect form, just totally maneuvering me. (laughs) Next thing I know, I'm in an arm bar. I don't even know what's happening, right? (laughs) And and it was like, the guy was just so good, right? And I was like, damn, how am I going to beat you? He goes, get a bat, right? And then we started laughing. (laughs) But that was awesome because Mm -hmm. I knew that I was learning from someone that knew their stuff and it was someone that can educate me, you mm-hmm. know, and, and he turned out to be one of my favorite teachers that I've ever had. Um, um, his name was Sensei Guzman. So Sensei Guzman, respect to you, sir. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Like, like you were saying before, it's like, what if you beat that sensei? Then why are you even there? Right. Then that would have been <laughs> bad. Like, and then you should be the sensei. Why, why am I paying this money? <laughs> no, but yeah, I couldn't even touch him. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, what what uh what color belt were you at the time? Oh man, what was I at the time? I don't remember. I think I was like I just became a yellow or something like that. I think. Oh, okay, so you that's still kind of new, right? It's kind of new. It's kind of new. I mean, but it, forget about belts. Mm-hmm. Like it's like because I remember I remember I asked um one of the teachers I asked him about black belts. And I remember when I first went into to, to train, and I was like, he was like, what do you want to be? I said, I would love to be a black belt one day. And he told me, he was like, you know what a black belt is? It means that you're, you've just begun your training. Wow. It's like everything else is like preparation. And when you become a black belt, that means there's, that, there's, there's different degrees of black yeah, belt. Yeah, there's guys that are like freaking 10th degree, degree. ninth degree black belts and, and all this stuff. And then here's the interesting thing. You know, I trained the Tiger Showman for a little bit. I did a little bit um, at Dragon's Den Mixed Martial Arts, which is a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu school. Mm. I trained with them for a little bit. And that school was intense too. You know what I mean? But what was cool is I learned that things were translatable, Mm -hmm. but different. In other words, like... Um, I don't want to get too much into this, but like when I trained the Tiger Showman, you know, they taught me like a lot of jujitsu and I was able to apply that jujitsu when I went to the Gracie school. Like, so a lot of the things that the Gracie school was teaching, I already knew how to do it. And they were, and they were cool about that. They were like, oh yeah, you know, he trained, um, at Tiger Showman. So he knows a lot of this. So that's great. He's ahead of the game. And he was like, but you know, but, but then there's certain aspects of it where it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, like the way they roll and the way they, it's, it's not better or worse. It's just different. It's a different, a different appro- style. It's a different approach. Okay. Right. And, um, I remember, um, one of the Gracies came to talk to us and he was giving us like advice. It was like a seminar. He came to the Gracie school to teach us. Mm-hmm. And you're one of the Gracie brothers. And he said to us, he goes, um, he was like, and he, and that's what's funny is that we used to always say jujitsu, but he would say jujitsu. <laughs> I think, I think he used to call it that 
around me. I remember you used to say jujitsu. Jujitsu. Like that's the right way to say it, right? And um he 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 would teach us, you know, all these different moves and all these rows and you know, all these arm bars and all this stuff, right? And I remember in the seminar, there was a young kid there and the kid goes, I have a question. And he's like, Yeah, what's your question? He was like, What do I do? Real life situation, what do I do if I'm walking down the block and I got six guys coming at me? And he's thinking that he's going to tell him, well, you know, you need to, you know, punch this one and then, then do a spin and hit that one. He's, that's what the kid is expecting. You know what, you know what he said? Right away? Run. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you're not a superhero. This is just, we're teaching you how to defend yourself. But the whole purpose of this is not to be a tough guy. The whole purpose of this is to escape harm. Mm-hmm. It's not about, you know, I'm going to kick that guy's butt. It's not about that. It's about it's self-defense. I'm saving my life. Mm-hmm. So if you can, no matter, I don't care what degree black belt you're in, you are. If you can run and get out of that situation, then get out of that situation. Because you could, you could have the prettiest holds in the world. But you know, if someone has like a they weapon, have a knife or yeah. a gun, then oh. that changes everything. <laughs> then you're not winning that. So, so, and I, I found that really, really interesting because there was no ego in his answer. It was very, it was honest. Yeah. He was like, remember, this is not about being an action hero. This is about survival, escaping harm, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah. Because it's, it's self, that's why it's called self-defense when you get, when you have to defend yourself when you're getting attacked, that's the only time you should really be using it. Yeah, I agree. You know, so. But yeah, man. So tell me about like soccer. Like, tell me some of the drills that you got. How, what was training like in soccer? Was it intense? Um, I would say it's a lot of running. Obviously, it was a lot of um conditioning work especially in high school um in the summers he would a lot of our training was just running around the track and building that stamina since we're playing 90 minute games and you're running the whole time you have to be in good shape um and then in terms of drills um a bunch of your typical dribbling drills around cones um like shooting on the shooting on the keeper um a lot of passing drills. Um, I'm trying to think since it's been a while. But was it like how long? What how long was the workouts? Were they like intense? Did you feel like you were going to collapse? Did you feel like you were going to pass out? Like how intense were they? The they were good. I mean, I would say when I got back home, my legs were so sore. Like like how you were saying before, like when you couldn't you couldn't uh, walk to work that one day. Yeah, <laughs> that's. That's how sore my legs would be um, after practice sometimes because it's just you're doing all these drills, um, doing a lot of running, and then at the end of the practice, you're scrimmaging. So like um, by scrimmaging, I mean like practice games among, amongst your team, which is a lot of energy since it's basically a game. Um, it's supposed to replicate a game, and then you're done with practice. And those would go on for like an hour and a half, two hours. 
and you're running throughout that of course with like your small water breaks wow yeah that was definitely when i was in my best um like cardiovascular shape yeah that was a lot of con- uh conditioning and, and running so i mean i i remember one time in martial arts they pushed us so hard that i was like i was kicking a bag i was kicking this bag like wow wow mm-hmm. yo I almost passed out, bro. I was so like tired, almost passed out. But then, you know, but two minutes, I recovered and I went back to kicking the back. Yeah, I can't imagine because I did jujitsu for a couple months, and how that was so tiring, right? Sparring with another person, like all that weight on top of you. Oh my gosh, I I was exhausted after after those sessions, and those were only like an hour. Yeah, and it's like you don't want. Sometimes you're not in the mood. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Know. And I eventually ended up um, like stopping jujitsu um, because at the time I was like, I was like 14 at the time and I was not the heaviest and I'm competing against a bunch of these heavier, much heavier men. So I was at a huge disadvantage and I'm just getting, I'm just getting laid on top of the whole time. And I'm like, this is just... But you know what? But that's how it starts. Yeah. That's how it starts. And then eventually you start to understand how to get the person off you. You start to understand how to maneuver. How to, yeah. And you, you probably would have been amazing at it if you would have just stuck with it. Real yeah. I, I should have stuck with it. I think it just conflicted with soccer and it was either jujitsu or soccer. So I ended up choosing soccer. So, um, okay. So day one with Evan. On the soccer field, what's the first thing you're going to teach him? First thing I'm going to teach him. Um, I guess before I answer that, how has he even has he started? You said he's played with a team before, like he's just no, started. He's, he's playing on a, a practice team. Okay, where since this is his first year, because my thing was I didn't want Christina to just throw him into competition because he doesn't know what he's doing, and that was like my biggest issue with the little league is that they didn't teach them the game. They literally threw them on the field and said, play. There was no practices. There was no, you know, you're supposed to, you got to teach these kids what to do. You got to like educate them on how to to play the game. So I think for soccer, what's really cool is that this whole year is about him learning the game. Okay. No, I would say the first thing I'm going to do with him, right, is just practicing dribbling the ball, like feeling the ball at your feet. Because that's the first thing you gotta be able to control the ball and run with the ball. So I might have, might have like a couple cones and see. Um, like obviously it's gonna be a learning experience. You're gonna have to try to go through the cones. Yeah. Um, and it might be tough at first, but I mean, if we do it enough, he'll eventually get it. And the next thing I'm gonna do with him is passing the ball because that's, in my opinion, the most per- important thing to be able to pass the ball to your teammates because the ball is gonna travel faster than you dribbling yourself if you pass. And the way I used to play, um, I was never a selfish player where I would try to dribble past everyone. I, pa- I passed to the open guy. That's how you play, and that's how your teammates like you if you're willing to share the ball. So I'm going gonna, gonna to pass back and forth and just teach them like, the proper form of how to pass the ball. And if we do this long enough, I'm going ha- to try to teach him to use his, his other foot, his weak foot. Is he a righty or a lefty? He, I think he's both actually. He's both. Yeah. Okay, that's even better because 
for me, where I used to struggle, I would always use my right foot since I'm a righty. But that's not good because there's some times where you have to use your left foot. And my left foot was weaker. So a pass that I could typically make with my right foot, I couldn't make with my left. And that was a weakness. So if we do this enough, I want to work with him on, on the foot that he's not as comfortable with. Because he should be using that foot too. But of course, he's just starting. So that's... No, this is good because this will give him like an edge. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so, you know, he never dares ask me for a participation, participation trophy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but if he could use both feet, if he's amb- ambidextrous, he already has uh, an advantage. Yeah. And he's, he's a really, really smart guy. So he'll absorb the information. You know what I mean? So okay. we got to find a, a field. I got to see if we can use the soccer field that he actually trains on, if we can just go there. Or if we'll, we'll we'll find somewhere for us to. And train. I'll be sure to make it fun because I I want to lose interest, but it'll, it'll be fun. Yeah, so that'll be cool. So like I'll I'll just we'll pick a day and I'll tell you to meet us and something like that. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. That'll be perfect. That'll be perfect. Um. So all right. So I think this was a really really good interview. I think we we learned a lot about each other. Um. And I'm just so impressed by you. You know Thank what you. I mean? And how you carry yourself. Um, you're intelligent, you're kind hearted, you're a good guy, you're disciplined, you know what I mean? You're honest, you're you 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 speak about the challenges that you face, and I have a lot of respect for that. You're flattering me, making me blush, Mark. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I gotta give credit what credit is due. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. Um I hadn't seen you in a while, so it was good to see you and talk to you. Um you've you've been a friend of mine since I, I met you since I was ten years old. And you've always been one of the nicest guys um, like to me and my family. So I appreciate you having me. That means a lot. That means a lot. And hopefully you'll come back on. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I would love to be in a future episode, episode 1000. Yeah, you never uh, know. 1012. You know, you know, and like I said, in the future, we're going to go to YouTube. We're going to do all that stuff. We're going to have um, round tables where it's a bunch of people talking. We're working towards that. We're not there yet. Um, but you know, we're really excited for the future of the podcast. So to all my supporters out there, um, and all my new supporters, you know, nothing but love for you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot and I'll see you next time. Thank you everyone for listening to the DJ Mark flow podcast. It's been a pleasure to spend this time with you. Make sure you hit that follow button. And if you are so able, donate to the channel so we can make more episodes. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the love.